Welcome to Business Talk Sister Doc. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And this episode title is How to Monetize Your Events. And we are doing part two with uh, Sheila this week. If you missed the first episode, you should definitely go back and listen to How to Build Strategic Partnerships. She talked a lot about the, the benefits of doing that and being authentic and genuine in the things that you do. And it was just such a valuable conversation. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being with us today again, Sheila. We're super excited to have you. I am super excited to be here as well. Thank you so much. To be, I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> yeah. And and we'll give a little bit of background for if this is the first episode for uh, our listeners. Sheila has done so much event um, organization with mon- monetization. So um, she also has had many, many other businesses and done so many cool things in her life. So she has a lot of experience coming from many different angles of how to monetize things. So that kind of comes into like, what would you, what do you say your business is right now? So um, right now, and for about the last 10-ish years, I've had a business called Connected Sponsors. And it is a business where I help um, event owners and platform owners find sponsors for their event. Um, when I started, I was doing it just myself, helping them finding sponsors. And I pivoted to creating a course around it so I can teach and consult more than actually doing the work because so I can leverage my time a bit better. Um, so that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your why behind that? Like what got you into um, wanting to do this for yourself and then wanting to do this for other people? Right. So I'll just briefly say the why, which we had talked about the last time um, for just being an entrepreneur in general was uh, when my daughter was born, I just like desperately wanted to be home with her um, and not have to, you know, report to a job and, you know, beg for time off and things like that. So I kind of went out into business on my own. Um, this particular business, I, it was kind of happened almost by accident. Um, I had a business with a good friend of mine, Deanna Rogers, who um, it was called Affiliate Mastermind Group. And it was for people who were kind of in the event industry, um, doing joint ventures, having speakers come speak in their stages, that kind of stuff. And towards the end of that business, she got um, recruited by Digital Marketer, which is a big digital marketing company. They run an event called TNC. And um, she went to be their director of events and she runs all of their events now. The woman is like amazing. Um, But when she um, left, she asked me if I could come and help with sponsorship. And I'd always kind of done the strategic partnership side of the business. Um, Mm -hmm. Sponsorship was kind of new for me, but I came in and um, started doing it for her and helped out with TNC for the first couple of years she was there. And people started to see what I was doing and asked me if I could come and do this for them too. So that kind of, it just kind of organically grew into a business. It wasn't something that I sat down and said, okay, my next business is going to be this. And there was no business plan or anything like that. It was just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. So that's, I love that. And I love that you're still friends with, it's like just consistently in talking with you, it seems like you've made these relationships and then just continued to have these friends that you've done so many cool things with. And I love that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And sometimes, sometimes the thing ends, but the friendship always continues, which is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So now we're in this digital age where um, you can have an event and have seen nobody in person. So tell us a little bit about um, the different kinds of events that you can monetize. So you can really, like, I even broaden it out from events to platforms. You can really monetize anything. You know, you can monetize a newsletter. You can monetize your email list. 
you can monetize a virtual event, a live event, a podcast, a book. It's, it's you know, anything that where you're putting yourself out there to the world, there is a way to monetize it. Um, and the way to think about it is I kind of think um, from the end backwards. So when and I'll talk about events because it's what I have the most um, experience in. So my examples will be events, but it, it really you can translate it to any other platform. But the way I think of sponsorship is if you're doing an event um, and you have a group of people coming, the people are coming to your event because they're looking for some sort of transformation. So you may be teaching them something it might be like a business event and you're teaching them how to run their business better or how to um, manage employees better or how to grow. You know, it might be a real estate event where you're teaching them how to um, invest in real estate for passive income. You know, whatever the event is, they're coming there looking for a transformation. Um, and especially if you if you teach what you do, um, you want to think about you when you started, because when you started is you're very different to the you you are today. Um, so you really knew nothing when you started, because that's how we all start. It's like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> um, and try and get yourself back into that mindset and start thinking about what did these what did I need? when I started this business, what were the big jumps I had that because I found out about this resource or I learned about this particular thing that helped me get to where I am today and then start bringing that in for your um, audience. And one of the best ways to bring that in is especially where it's resources is bringing it in as sponsors. And then from the sponsorship point of view, they're looking to um, get in front of a certain demographic. So somebody who needs their product and if you can, and that's what sponsors are buying. So you can put together all these fancy like sponsor decks and things like that. They don't care about a lot of it. They're looking for access to the group of people that you've gathered, whether they're gathered on a podcast or gathered in an event or however you do that. Um, so you want to find that nice fit. And what you, you know, so there's like three winners in this. So the sponsors are getting in front of their um their audience your audience is getting extra resources that you're that you know you can't have everything to give to them so you're teaching them but they're getting the resources to help them implement all the stuff that you're teaching mm -hmm. and then you as the platform owner you're you know you're winning twice because you're bringing value to your audience but you're also monetizing it as well so like when done properly it's a really nice win-win-win situation i know win-win-win is kind of cliche but that's what it is and um it's also very sustainable because if everyone Everyone's happy in that relationship there's no reason to leave mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point <laughs> so <laughs> I have a question about like when you're creating your sponsorship um approach what what exactly do you put into that to say hey this is what I'm doing and what kind of data do you pull together to um bring your pitch basically to a sponsor, potential sponsor? Yeah, that's a great question because that is just like the crux of everything. So the, what you, what you, the data you really need to know and be very familiar with is who your avatar is. Like who is your audience? If you can describe them as one person, um, how do you describe that person? Um, I'm sure you guys know Johnny Dumas. Um, he has a, a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. Mm -hmm. um, so he describes his avatar and I can just say it off the top of my head because it's just first of all it resonates with me but also it's just such a simple avatar so his avatar is Jimmy Jimmy is a 40 year old guy who's working at a job that he doesn't particularly like he drives in in the morning 45 minutes to um, his job uh, listening to a podcast he works for eight to ten hours during the day um, exhausted gets back in his car drives home about 35 minutes listening to another podcast 
gets into his house and, you know, has to instantly like be there for his wife. They're getting dinner on the table. They've got kids. They're making sure homework is done. Everyone's having baths and everyone goes to bed. And that's when he has two hours to himself to work on his dream. And that's his business. He wants to be an entrepreneur. He wants to quit the job and he wants to have a business. And that's like just such a clear um, vision of who that Mm -hmm. avatar is. So anytime uh, Johnny Dumas has a question about what guests to bring on, what sponsor to bring on. It's like, would, would this resonate with Jimmy? So it's very, very mm-hmm. simple. Um, so you want to um, like have a really good kind of um, idea of who that person is, that your avatar is, because that's essentially what you're selling to your sponsor. And then you start thinking about, as I said before, like what are the, the resources you needed to get to where you are? Um, because we're assuming that if you're... Um, if you're kind of the leader of this, whatever it is, podcast or um, event or whatever, that you've kind of made some of that transformation. You may not be like, sometimes you're only one or two steps ahead of of your listeners, which is fine, you know, (laughs) as long as you stay that one or two steps ahead. Um, But you know, what what has helped you? Because really you're trying to share with them, okay, this is, this is one of the things that just kind of gave me like a 10x leap into, you know, once I found this mm-hmm. out, it just gave me this huge boost forward um, until I came up with the next challenge. Um, so, you know, you're kind of thinking, who can I bring in to help my students or help my listeners or my audience, um, you know, uh, implement and get the things done that I'm teaching them to do? So when you're kind of coming at it from that point of view, it just makes the planning very different. Um, when I first talk to people, a lot of times they're like, you know, um, so how much can you get in sponsorship and who can you get? And they're just thinking like random companies, like can we get Marriott and American Express? And I'm like, okay, so why Marriott? I don't know, because they're a big companies. Like, well, are they going to help your students? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> they have money. <laughs> they have money. Yeah, they'll probably like cut a check and not worry about it. Um, but it has to be, it has to be so more than that. And like, that's always mm-hmm. a huge red flag for me. Um, if I'm working with a client and they're just like, you know, how much can you bring in? How much can you bring in? It's like, you know, what are we giving them? You have to think of it from the other way around. Mm. Yeah. When we were talking well, kind of between episodes, you had mentioned a couple different things about like how to seek out um, the low hanging fruit for sponsorship. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. And I actually created like a small training. It's like a, a it's a, a, I call it, I don't call it, it's called a one sheet or one pager. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I call it, I made this. I actually made the one pager, but I used somebody else's software to do it. But basically um, going back to my BNI days, and we talked about this before as well, like a very beginning of business, I joined BNI. One of the things that uh, we used to do at BNI is we'd have visitor days as we're trying to grow the chapter. And one of the tactics that they used was called follow your checkbook. So um, the thought was, if you um, are doing business with someone, maybe they'd be a good fit for the group because you can pass business back and forth to them within the group or not just you, like the whole group can. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I think of this in terms of, again, I'll just use an event as an example. But if you are an event owner and let's say you're teaching somebody how to invest in real estate and you are also a real estate investor, so you're teaching what you do, what are the bills that you're paying on a monthly basis? Like who are the resources that you're using to work your day-to-day business? Um, And, uh, you know, let's reach out to them first because it's going to be really low hanging fruit and there's reciprocity because the, um, you know, the people you're doing business with, you're doing business with them. So it's not like you're just kind of out of the blue approaching them about this. So there's usually a little bit of reciprocity there as well. Um, But these can be like great, uh, 
sponsors to bring in initially, um, kind of get used to the sponsor process. And then you can start like bringing in more. And it's, it's kind of like if you're, if you've, I've never built a mall, I really don't know how they're done, but I'm assuming the anchor stores get brought in first. Mm-hmm. So you have your Macy's and your Sears and which I think both are going out of business, but I, I have to come <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to update your example. Yeah, my, yeah, you can tell I shop a lot, right? <laughs> like, oh, there's a mall. Um, but yeah, and then like the little stores fill in the spaces in between, you know, so mm-hmm. like they're coming there because the, the big stores are drawing the crowd. So it's kind of the same thing with sponsors. Like once you have a few sponsors in there, other people are like, oh, if this company's there. You know, maybe I should be there as well. So it's just kind of a way to think about it. Yeah. So you, I mean, we've been talking obviously about like paid events and stuff, but how do you know when it's appropriate to have to run a paid event or when should it be just free to your um to your clients that you're just trying to add value when should it be paid and when should it just be something that you're giving so honestly um my whole thought about giving is how much value do they see in it like i'm not saying that the the information you're giving isn't valuable but have you ever like signed up for something for free and just never gotten around to doing it yes yeah (laughs) so i think if there's if there's a like if I pay for something, um, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of more committed to doing it because, you know, I just paid money for it and um, it just kind of gives that a little bit more commitment than just being kind of like, oh, well, maybe I'll get to that. Or, you know, it's, it's um, this thing came up and this was on my calendar, but like this other thing is more important. So you tend to do that. But if, if like if you've paid money for an event, um, you're going to block it out in your calendars like, OK, I need to get um I need to like, you know, focus on this and I need to get the value out of it because I just paid money for it and it's a waste otherwise. So I don't like the idea of free because I think people can just blow it off too easily Mm -hmm. and they're not as committed and and possibly not the best um, students for you anyway. Um, A lot of times we'll kind of do a lot of free stuff and get people that are just kind of like, you know, half in, half out, not really uh, committed. So I think it's it's always a better thing to just do paid. And, you know, if someone is paying you for something, um, they're going to be much more involved and much more successful, which makes you more successful. I've definitely never done dishes while listening to a free event of a war and half listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> never done that. <laughs> oh, I'll just do this while I'm doing five other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, never mind. I listened to the replay. Yeah, that yeah. never mm-hmm. happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I have a question for you. This is kind of like off on a side tangent of of something I was thinking about, but do you think that it's getting harder um, to do events like paid events when you have so many more people coming into this same space? And so for me, I guess I've experienced paying for something and sitting through the entire thing and being like, I just paid $70 to listen to somebody's pitch. Mm-hmm. yeah so it, it depends I, and th- that's the thing as well like if if an event is free or almost free the, it's probably kind of a pitchy thing versus um if it's like true content like there's a lot of events out there and it, i don't see them happening as much anymore but it used to be like speaker after speaker after speaker just pitching on the stage mm-hmm. for for something so you want to kind of go to events where it's there's more value like i'm okay with pitches if it's going to help you get to where you're going but if it's just like a pitch fest and you're not really learning a lot um that's not helpful either so i'd prefer to spend like thousands on an event and walk away with like a clear plan of okay this is what i need to do and this is um this is the thing versus um just kind of going cheaper free for for 
you know, you, you get what you pay for, I guess it's the this whole process <laughs> I have. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like it sometimes almost like we're at the point where there's so many people running Facebook ads and doing stuff like that, that it's almost like you get a bad taste in your mouth where you don't. Want yeah. To yeah. Yeah. And I agree. It's like, I was doing Facebook ads for a while and I stopped and I, because I was interested, I think I kept clicking on ads. So now I think I just get more and more and more than on my mm-hmm. feed. It's like every single day, like my whole feed is ads. I'm like, come on, <laughs> you know, but um, it's hard, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know really. <laughs> my one friend, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like, I mean, but then, you know, the other question is like, if you're starting a business, how do you start? Like, those are the things you have to do. Like, you know, this thing that I just talked about, the, um, the uh you know follow your checkbook that's a free lead magnet I, i'm trying to list build with it so you know like if i came on here and i was like yes i have this thing and it's a thousand dollars and you can get it right now <laughs> you know everyone be like i don't even know you why would i give you a thousand dollars so it's it's like hard to find that happy medium and i don't know the answer to this either like i'm still you know trying to figure it out but like finding somewhere like the the middle ground of that is is tough yeah Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, you just want to give loads of value, even with the free stuff and the people who resonates with it. That's probably it. it's probably like a sifting thing that like you have a whole bunch of people come on because it's a free thing. But the people that resonates with will continue to to kind of move along your funnel and do more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're looking at gaining sponsors and stuff, how important in it is it to have a good speaker lineup to be able to actually get good sponsors? Uh, they don't care. Oh, okay. No, seriously. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be just like brash, but I mean, <laughs> they are there for the people attending the event. Mm. So, you know, if like the, I don't know, the Pope was speaking, they're like, that's great. But, you know, who's going to be at the event? <laughs> <laughs> so, that, like, they are truly there for access to your audience. Um, mm. You know, and sometimes like people will put a whole bunch of time into like creating the perfect offering and the prospectus of the deck of um you know and if you do platinum you'll get all these things if you do gold you get all these things and mm. you know i always advise first of all just ask the sponsor what they want and it may be totally different to the thing you agonized over for weeks and created <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and second of all they just i really they just want access to if if you are gathering the demographic that they're going after if you're gathering their ideal client they want access to that ideal client and the rest of it doesn't really matter yeah. So I have a question regarding like the logistics side. Um, yep. What are some systems and processes that have been very helpful for you when planning for an event, either in person or online? Um, so in terms of, of bringing sponsors in mm-hmm. or in terms of managing the sponsors once you get them there? Whatever would you think that would be best for us to know. Yeah. So um, bringing sponsors in, it's just, it's, it's just keeping up with everything. And we had kind of talked about this off air a little bit that, um, you know, you reach out to a whole bunch of people and then you drop the ball because you just forgot to kind of like, oh, what about that person I called like two months ago? did he ever email me back you go through your emails you're like oh crap he did (laughs) and it was two months ago (laughs) so um just kind of using something to keep yourself organized um i use google sheets a lot um i have like a whole kind of um like 
per client, per per event. I have a whole sheet of like a couple of different tabs on it of, you know, who I'm talking to. I have a thing called traffic lights that shows me where they are in the process. Are they a hard no? Are they still thinking about it? Are they, you know, do they have a contract? Have they paid and they're signed up and they're everything? And then for after somebody has signed up as a sponsor, I have another Google Sheet that's like a deliverables. So we've promised them, you know, A, B, C, D and E. Um, and then I just, I color code it. It's, it's really simple. I'm color code it. It's kind of like a pinky color if they haven't gotten it yet. And once they get it, it's green. So it just kind of keeps me on track so that I can look at something quickly. And what I love about Google Sheets is they're on my phone as well. So if I'm not, if I don't have a computer open, if I'm like in the car and, you know, I start to have a heart attack because I'm like, oh no, did I do this or did I not do this or whatever? I can just pull it up quickly mm-hmm. and see it and everything's right there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really low tech. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So then I just had one more question. Logistically, sure. when, when they, when you have a sponsor and they sponsor you, like, do they just cut you a check or like, how does that work? So it works a bunch of different ways. A lot of times they cut you a check and they're in and that's it. And obviously you want to like, make sure like, that's the one mistake I, I find, um, with some event owners that, uh, you know, they get the check and then they kind of forget about all the rest of it and all the deliverables. And mm-hmm. I feel like, um, and I don't do a lot of this anymore. I really do more of the teaching and consulting, but when I was doing events, I felt like, um, the sponsors were more my client than the person running the event that hired me to find the sponsors. So I just wanted to make sure that they consistently got everything that they needed. If there was Mm -hmm. any kind of an issue whatsoever that like straight away, we were just like taking care of that and resolving it only in the first and then taking care of it and resolving it for them. Because this is a really long-term relationship. You don't want to, you know, mess it up because something happened and you just kind of ignored it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, so a lot of times sponsors will just straight out pay Sometimes there's kind of a hybrid of where they'll pay a less amount of sponsorship, but you have kind of an affiliate thing going on that um, you get a a piece of their sales, um, which is kind of good for both. So, you know, the event owner is still getting some money up front, um, but they're also like have to perform a bit more to make sure that the sales happen. A lot of times this is when somebody's going to um, sell from stage um, and, you know, the event owner is kind of supporting that as well. Um, and then there's a third one where it's just affiliate only, which is a great way when you're starting out, um, it might be a great way to just bring in sponsors because there's a, like the sponsors are still paying to get people to the event. Um, if it's virtual, obviously they're not. Um, but it's a great way to kind of um, prove to them that you can bring them value so that then when you come back to them again, they know that like, you know, last time we made so many sales or made so much money or whatever it was so that um, you're kind of proving your value to them. So you can do any, and it's, it's a very fluid thing. There isn't like a sponsorship rule book somewhere that you have to like follow by the letter. It's, it's, it's all negotiation. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I feel like you're leaving me with so many more thoughts that I'm like forgetting <laughs> to respond. I'll be here all week, folks. Here all week. <laughs> <laughs> so what free resources would you recommend to someone trying to get started with monetizing events? Sure. So um, the the one I would uh, the the one that I I am going to give is the resource that I created, um, which is that follow your checkbook. It's a fifteen to twenty minute training, and it's on a one pager, which is editable, so they can go in and fill it out and start to brainstorm with like people that they could bring into their events. Um, there's a couple of um, 
podcasts that I'm really like into right now mm-hmm. and in addition to yours because yours is amazing <laughs> I have to say that I feel love, like I have to say it's like you yeah, have kids you know it's like no I love both of you equally <laughs> <laughs> but um I love the um and this one I'm binge I tend to binge listen to podcasts so what I'm listening to right now is the email marketing show and it's got by two guys over in England, Robin Kennedy, and they are teaching me, like they give so much value in their podcast. They're teaching um, on how to do email marketing, which is like a big thing that I'm mm-hmm. trying to conquer right now personally. Um, so I just love that. And then uh, there's another podcast that I love as well called Business Lunch. And it's got by a guy called Roland Frazier, who is one of the owners of that company that uh, Deanna went to. Um, so Digital Marketer. He owns about 20 companies, but um, this is one of the ones and they own that TNC, um, uh, TNC uh, event. Actually, they... They partially own it now. They ended up selling it last year to another company, but I think they still own part of it. Um, but he has like amazing um, people come on and talk about all different aspects of business. So I get a lot out of that as well. I listen to these a lot in the car and I'm like, crap, I need to write this down. Like it's just because it's just mm-hmm. some really good stuff at the time. So yeah, that's the danger of listening to really good podcasts while you're driving because you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only they had like a tape recorder thing or something that you could record a voice no I don't know maybe that technology will come along at some point <laughs> kidding mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah less uh I think they haven't because then we would be doing it while we were driving <laughs> yeah it's bad enough that you're like totally engrossed in a podcast that you're like where am I <laughs> oh, I missed all of the exits I exactly <laughs> yeah. I do that if I'm on the phone with people like I've phoned through my bluetooth but I'll like I'll be going like especially if I'm going somewhere different to where I normally go and next thing I'm like oh I totally went the wrong way and now I'm like <laughs> you know miles away you have to kind of you know do a different route and get there i'm going to be the asian yeah so, i'm directionally uh, challenged enough as it is i don't need to handicap myself even more. oh really really <laughs> enticing podcast yeah 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 well how about you tell our listeners where they can find you yeah so if they want to download the um the uh one sheet it is at um connected sponsors dot com forward slash finding sponsors so c-o-n-n-e-c-t-e-d s-p-o-n-s-o-r-s.com forward slash finding sponsors um they can also find me on uh facebook and linkedin uh linkedin and sheila farah hergema sorry for the long name great idea at the time but now it's a long name and um, uh, on facebook it's at connected sponsors nice Awesome. And and with the um, with the one sheet when they download that um, they'll be on my email list. Um, I do uh, read all of those emails that come in and respond to a lot of them. So if they have a question, they can re- respond. I mean, reply to any of those emails and just be like, "Hey, I had a question about this. Happy, happy to to help." Because I remember what it was like when I was starting out. So yeah awesome awesome. yeah well we're gonna transition into the sister gog portion of our episode, and Becca's gonna tell us a story. Okay. Well, we were kind of talking a little bit in the last episode um, about how when you are trying to be authentic or like genuine, you have to make sure that you um, have good communication and follow up with people. And we were talking about like your pet peeve is like when people ghost you. And I was thinking about the one time we had to ghost somebody for our podcast recording and I felt so bad like we had to I sent an email like 15 minutes beforehand 
Um, and okay, so for context, like right before this, um, I was like sanding and like cutting a bunch of wood and it like was super dusty. <laughs> Oh, no. And some, and it was also dry, and I just got this really bad bloody nose. Like it was and, so oh bad. <laughs> Becca has historically had the worst bloody noses I've ever seen a human being have in their lives. Okay, but like wow. this one was even worse because, like, I it was to the point where I couldn't breathe, like at all because it was just coming out so fast and I was like I didn't know what to do and I was just like sitting there over the sink and my husband's like I think we need to take you to the emergency room <laughs> and I'm like okay <laughs> like, as I'm like holding this tissue over my nose I'm like well maybe I can still make the podcast and I'm like actually no one wants to see me looking like this <laughs> Uh, so we ended up having to send an email like 50 minutes before, like, I'm so sorry, emergency came up. We can't do it today. Yeah. Can we please reschedule? I didn't go into the details because it was like, how lame of emergency of like, I have a bloody nose. <laughs> like, can't do this today. Yeah. That is also when I learned, like, when you are at the emergency room and you're sitting there, um, it is the worst question in the world. If you're like at the hospital or whatever, doing stuff and you walk by and you're like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> ask that question. I'm like thinking to myself, like, oh my word, like if I this is embarrassing. Like, I don't even want to tell people why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was also fishing opener. So that like asking that question on top of things is just like oh you know I'm totally drunk and I have a fish hook in my arm <laughs> like, <laughs> like how open do you want to be about why you're actually at the emergency room <laughs> yeah. wow yeah well thank you so much for joining us Sheila um and if you guys didn't listen to last week's episode you want to go back and listen to that um and if you liked what you heard today go ahead and give us a review on apple podcast <laughs>